0: But first to events in the Middle East, as the war in Gaza drags into its fifth week, it's becoming clear that the assistance Hamas might have been expecting to arrive from Iran and its fellow Iranian proxies is not arriving. Not at the moment, certainly. Now, that message has been made clear in two recent addresses by Hezbollah's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, and the bellicose, though ultimately empty statements made by Iranian President Ibrahim Naisi at last weekend's summit of Arab and Islamic leaders in Saudi Arabia. Although the Iranian regime has devoted considerable energy over the last four decades uh, uh, talking about its devotion to the Palestinian cause and demonising Israel, it's increasingly clear that its own interests. Interests are self-preservation and protecting its assets in the region, that they definitely comes first. Hamas and the Palestinian cause, it would seem, but we'll test this with our guest, are perhaps no longer as useful as they were in the past. To help us understand how Iran sees its interests in the next stage and what the US and allies might do to stop them from further inflaming wars in the region. I'm joined by Bilal Saab, who's a senior fellow and director of the Defence and Security Program at the Middle East Institute in Washington. He's also an associate fellow with Chatham House in London. Uh, Welcome to Saturday Extra.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Bilal, there was a high level of concern, uh, well, there has it's remained, of course, about whether other countries are going to be drawn in to the conflict, whether or not they want to be. It doesn't seem to have played out yet. I wonder what your assessment is of the current risk of regional escalation.
1: I agree with your um, introduction where you singled out Iran because this is really the uh, actor that we're all monitoring and watching to see if they're going to get further involved. I don't see any other countries, frankly, uh, getting involved, militarily at least. You know that the Qataris are playing a diplomatic role trying to um, come up with some kind of a prisoner swap between Hamas and uh, the Israelis. Of course, the Americans also trying to push diplomatically for an end to this conflict, but The more worrying aspects of engagement or involvement, of course, are those that reside with the Iranians. Uh, There are many odious things about the Iranian regime, uh, but one thing we cannot accuse it of being is suicidal, which is why I agree with your introduction. They have um, their own interests, their own assets to protect. And while their desire to hurt Israel has always been there, I think they understand very clearly the price of going too far, which tells you that deterrence, on some level at least, has so far worked.
0: And do you draw a conclusion from that, that Tehran has just discarded the Palestinian cause for now, or is it uh, just on hold?
1: I think that's too strong of a statement. I think that if you listen carefully to the speeches of a uh, surrogate or proxy or ally, whatever term you want to use, of Iran in Lebanon, and that's Hezbollah, the powerful uh, lebanese shade group that in many ways is regarded uh, quite correctly, in my opinion, as the most powerful substate actor in the world. If you listen to the speeches of the Secretary General just in recent uh, weeks, I believe on November 3rd and then another one on November 11th, he almost seemed like he was on the defensive, explaining the contributions his organization has made to uh, Hamas and to the Palestinian cause in the sense that everything he's done along the borders has uh, forced the Israelis to reallocate resources from the fight against Hamas to the fight on the North. And I don't think it's going to go beyond that. Of course, there's always a risk, and perhaps we're going to talk about this later, of things firing out of control on the borders. But for now, these are the rules of engagement. These are the contributions that Hezbollah and its ally, Iran, are willing to make. And not more than that, because they understand the consequences of dramatic escalation.
0: Well... Because it would put them in, in, they're not ready for dramatic escalation. I mean, what? Just, just follow through with that thought, if you would, please.
1: They have a healthy respect for both Israeli military power and willingness to use that military power. And the Iranians also have a healthy respect for American uh, deployed uh, firepower in the region, which is why they have, um, in many ways, calibrated their response, calibrated their actions They have always, and particularly Iran, of course, operated below the uh, threshold of warfare, which is a fancy word for saying we'll just keep things as uh, reasonably uh, uh, calibrated as possible uh, and trying to avoid to the extent possible escalation because it's certainly not in their interest. So they don't want a fight with adversaries that they understand are far more powerful than them.
0: Mm. it's so interesting to watch them uh, draw that conclusion. I mean, they, they remain the major disruptor, do they? Is that what you'd call them in the region? Uh, I wonder what sort of, how you do rate their their military power.
1: Are we talking about the Iranians? Yes, the Iranians, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. so anytime you start talking about asymmetric warfare, this is where the Iranians are at their best, which is using tactics that, uh are not you know leading to a full-fledged confrontation tactics that are incredibly difficult to respond to especially us the americans right um and we're always ourselves worried about escalation we do not want a confrontation with the iranians we understand what happened uh when we went into iraq and when we um Uh, in many ways, you know, create more problems uh, than existed uh, before we uh, uh, intervened. And so Iran would be 10 times worse. And we understand that. And in many ways, that fear or aversion to escalation on our part is what the Iranians are also exploiting, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, they have been doing this and they've been playing this game for such a long time. I believe they have perfected it which is why they work through surrogates. They don't do things directly, or at least most things through surrogates. And this is how they, in many ways, continue to pursue their aims without leading to catastrophic consequences that uh, would be quite detrimental to their interests in the region, which at the end of the day, I mean, this is, I guess, pretty important for your viewers. At the end of the day, we really are uh, focused on two things. One, driving the Americans out, and two, hurting as much as possible Uh, The Israelis. So, you know, beyond that, I don't think that they have an interest of just for the sake of it, you know, launching a confrontation with the Israelis and the Americans. That's not what they were after.
0: Well, in fact, I think you say that the Americans lack an Iran strategy altogether. I mean, you wrote an analysis piece for the Saudi-owned news journal al Majalla at the start of the what? month, and you say that what? the US has failed to deter Iran from further uh, inflaming the situation. Uh, yep. could, could the US have done something different?
1: Well, I mean, this administration obviously is doing the best it can to try to deter the Iranians from further involving themselves uh, into this conflict. You've seen the uh, order by the president, uh, President Biden, uh, to deploy additional military resources to the region. But my concern has always been, uh, shared by many in here, obviously, in D.C., is that we're playing two very different games. We're trying to prevent the high-intensity, high-level conflict by the Iranians. And they are playing the low-intensity conflict. They're playing the asymmetric uh, hybrid warfare kind of conflict to which we have had no response, not just this year, but for many decades. And so that's what I mean by we have failed at the mission of deterrence. But I also say that deterrence is not a strategy. Uh, deterrence is just only one part of the strategy. It's a tactic in many ways. The strategy should have always been containment, kind of like when we contained the Soviet Union during the Cold War successfully uh, at the end of the day. We need something that is quite similar with regard to Iran, and there is no way we can do this on our own. We have to do this with partners in the region who live there, who are bearing the brunt of that kind of nefarious influence of the Iranians, except that lately it's been Kind of difficult to have that conversation with them because they've gone in their different direction. They don't trust us anymore. So they went to the Iranians, started talking to them, started coming up with agreements with them, normalization agreements for fear of, you know, the Iranians lashing out at them. Oh, Well, this is the the Chinese
0: broker deal, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that too. They they invited the Chinese, obviously, to uh, sort of uh, cut the ribbon of that normalization accord between the Saudis and the Iranians. But the bulk of that effort was frankly done by the Iranians and the Saudis. The Chinese played more of a symbolic role more than anything else. But the point being here is that to bring these guys back, the Arabs, the Saudis, the Emiratis, the, uh, uh, anybody who has concerns over Iranian behavior, to bring them back And to convince them that we're really in it together to try to come up with some kind of a containment regime, it's going to require a lot of building bridges once again and doing the right things and committing to that mission in ways, frankly, right now, we're just not in a position to do. I mean, the president is not thinking about coming up with a new strategy for Iran in the midst of re-election season.
0: Um, uh, Why? Isn't there a chance? Is is there no chance to draw them into some sort of in the long term? I hope this is not totally tilting at windmills into a generally more peaceful region. Why couldn't they if they be brought in uh, in with a, in a, in a range of um, sort of incentives to actually play a constructive role? Is that sort of ridiculous to think like that?
1: I'm going to assume you're talking about the Iranians.
0: I am again, yes. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I will not pat ourselves on the back, us as Americans, but I'll tell you that we've tried so hard to uh, pursue that vision that you have so eloquently described, except that from one administration to the other, we have been getting nothing but uh, rebuffs, uh, disinterest, and actually playing a more constructive role in the region. I think the Obama administration was most committed to that kind of uh, objective. But once again, you know, the the Iranians have one objective and one one objective only, which is to really dominate the region and to once again drive us out sort of as a means to that end and to... uh, Offer any kind of assistance helps to anybody who wants to fight the Israelis. So they'll fight to the last Palestinian, they'll fight to the last Lebanese, they'll fight to the last anybody, a Houthi, Yemenis, right? But um, they they see themselves as you know a larger player in the region that has the potential to actually dominate. And a part of it, I frankly is understandable. This is the great you know uh, story of international relations: big fish eats small fish. But I mean, it's uh, memories you know, this,
0: of the great Persian Empire times too, isn't it?
1: Yeah precisely civilizational role um, natural resources um, and certainly far more capable militarily than anybody else uh, and we've tried so hard to bring him into this conversation and to have a more cooperative system or regional order it's just that we failed and and of course it's very biased on my part to blame it all on the Iranians mm-hmm. and to say that because of the radical ideology nothing can work but they're not doing themselves any favor
0: well I um- What was really quite striking was the, I presume, the reaction to the Americans' other great move, and very much supported, of course, probably governed slightly by Netanyahu, of drawing the Saudis in into this much closer relationship with the Israelis and fundamentally altering um, the relationships in the region. And and, and there is an argument that it's actually the Iranian response to that startling sort of set of announcements by the uh, Saudi authorities that they were drawing closer to a deal, that this is what sparked, uh, certainly sparked their renewed interest. Nobody quite knows just how much they were involved in this latest business with Hamas. But I wonder what your assessment is there, that the threat of a new order um, with the Saudis, led by the Saudis, is really what has sort of completely scratched um, a, a big itch for the Iranians.
1: Yep, I like where you're going with this. I think it's quite reasonable. Uh, I don't want to completely de-emphasize the local preferences or interests, of course, of the Palestinians and all the grievances that they have, whether it's Hamas or any other Palestinian. But it is sort of a combustible mix in the sense that you got those. And on top of that, this broader wish by the Iranians to... um, overturn whatever efforts uh, that have been made lately to normalize ties with the Israelis, and nothing could torpedo something like that more effectively than what happened on October seventh. And they don't have to be directly involved. All they have to do, which they've done for many years, is continue to provide money, continue to provide weapons, and then leave the specifics, the details of the attack, the nature, the timing, and all sorts of that, to the local surrogates themselves. And that in itself is sufficient evidence that they were implicated. They don't have to be directly implicated.
0: So very quickly, can you see a way out, or this, this strategy that you say, that there has to be some a, a region-wide level of containment, this is your words, can you see that right. happening?
1: Ah, uh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, now with this administration, it's too late. Something like this has to be thought of pretty carefully. You need to build a coalition of supporters. You need all sorts of legs that would make this possible. And over the next few months, there's no way that something like this, this ambitious, this, uh, I would say, historic, because we've never done anything like this before, would, uh, would happen. We'll have to wait until the next administration comes in. Hopefully it's a Biden administration because then, you know, they'll have— A very different approach, frankly, in view about how to handle Iran than a Republican administration or a Trump administration, God forbid. That tells you where my politics are. So um, I, um, you know, I don't see much hope for this over the next few months until we get a new administration for the next four years.
0: All right, Bilal, thank you very much indeed for that overview.
1: It's my pleasure. And I'm sorry, I'm very depressing.
0: (laughs) you are actually but anyway (laughs) okay we'll move on bilal sub senior fellow and director of the defense and security program at the middle east institute in washington some very small people tied up in all of that tragically getting in touch with abc rn is easy join the conversation live using the abc listen app's call and text features